Well, for the past several weeks, we've been going through John 6, and today is the final edition of that. And uh, last week, we had the assumption, so we weren't able to really uh, dive into some of the meteor aspects that leads to the context of you know, what was going on in today's gospel. So we'll be giving the gospel a little bit of context. But before we do that, I, I do need to uh, address the elephant in the room, and that is the extremely awkward you know, second reading. And uh, I think it's most of our favorite words, right? Right, moms? Right, wives? <laughs> Women be subordinate. Wives be subordinate to your husbands. Period, stop, that's the end of the sentence, right? Right there. That's how it goes. No, of course not. Uh, I know a priest friend of mine, he told me that when it was this readings, the lector uh, really took offense to what these words were, so uh, she decided to read a different reading. And uh, <laughs> thank you for reading the correct reading today. But we know of our understanding of anthropology within a Catholic context that there is no difference in worth between men and women. And we hold Mary to be the highest of any human being that's ever lived. So clearly, this can't be our proper understanding. We'll have to dive a little deeper, right? As always with scripture, when something is difficult to chew on, when something is hard for us to understand, it's us, not sacred scripture. We've got to be able to eat a little humility and, and dive into it. To understand that it does not stop there, but continues to say that fathers, husbands, you must love your wives as Christ loves the church. And how do we understand this, this love? How do we understand this relationship? Right? We understand that marriage in and of itself is a representation of the love that God has before us. And yesterday, I was at the downtown church. I, I married a couple, and I, I talked to them. You know, to be the head of the body, you know, what does that mean? What responsibility is there? And I can think back to one of uh, the church fathers, St. Gregor the Great. The term that he called himself was that he was the servant of the servants of God. That in his role, the leader of the church was to be the servant of the servants, all of us. That in order to be the head, you need to be the most low. You need to serve. To always put your wife, to always put your family before you. Right? This isn't a rom-com love. This isn't a butterflies in your stomach. This is giving without counting the cost. This is that agape love in which it's that self-sacrificial, total outpouring, total gift. It's hard. It's difficult. And if we're wondering what it looks like, we just have to look right there. That's how Christ loves his church. He gives everything. He lays it all down on the line. And men, you can look yourself in the mirror and if you're being honest at all, you can probably say, right now, that's, that's not how I'm loving my wife. Right now, that's, that's not me as the spiritual leader in my family. And maybe you can even go back to the day that you were, became married. And ask yourself, did you even understand what was being asked of you? Did you really comprehend the love that God is calling you to give your wife? 
in your family. And whether it's me as a priest or you in this role as a wife or as the role of a husband, I'm going to let you know right now, on your own power, you can't love that way. That's a supernatural love. But thankfully, we are not called to do this on our own. Thankfully, the Lord gives us the sacraments. And that's why we stress so often that regular occurrence of frequenting the sacrament of reconciliation to say, Lord, this is where, I've, this is where I'm fallen. This is, this is where I can be vulnerable. To always allow ourselves to be intimate in prayer with our husbands and wives. Couple, you need to pray together. There's no greater form of intimacy than to pray with one another. And we have the Eucharist, which takes us back to John 6. And as I said, real quickly, just going over some of the highlights of last week, you know, our Lord had been talking about being the bread of life, and those followers, those disciples who were with him, they were excited. Like, this, this is incredible. To have eternal life. Like, give, us, give us this gift. What, what is it? Tell us about it. And what he said last week was that his flesh was that bread. And he said, what are you talking about, man? That doesn't make any sense. And he doubles down. He says, amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat this flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. That's hard. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a rational response to pump the brakes a little bit and go, whoa, what you just said sounds a little crazy. Like, what do you mean by that? And every time he doubles down. To the point where they said at the beginning of our gospel today, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? And even more than just a, a natural reaction to someone saying, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. For a Jewish person at this time, this was sacrilege. You did not consume blood. We understand like kosher, but one of those aspects is you drain the blood of an animal because that's where the life is. That's where, like, where their soul is. So for Christ to say, you need to drink my blood, well, oh, you've crossed the lines. Clearly, you're crazy. Not only does he say, you need to eat my flesh, but in the Greek, a better way of describing it, you know, we can think of someone maybe at a nice little polite, correct table manners dinner. He's saying, I want you to gnaw on my flesh. I want you to devour me the way an animal eats a bone to get after it. And it's like, this is, this is a little gross. Like, what are you talking about? Every time the Lord is saying, like, no, I'm speaking literally. There are times that our Lord speaks symbolically, right? And that, that's what many of our Christian brothers will say about this. They'll say, well, clearly he's not speaking about his flesh, right? The same way other parts he says, you know, I'm a vine. I'm the lamb of God. At one point, even a, a mother hen. Like he's speaking along those lines. But we get to this line, John 666. You know, as a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. If our Lord is speaking symbolically, here's his followers. They're leaving. 
he would say, hey, guys, come back. You, you misunderstood me. Clearly, we, we got to have a, more dialogue. Does he do that? No. He turns to Peter and says, will you, will you also leave? He asks the disciples, and Peter speaks for them. few moments the Lord is going to take bread and wine and somehow it's a mystery when I say those words Jesus is going to take over and they're going to become the body and blood of Christ this should shock you if we actually believe this it should jar us. Who am I? How are, how are we worthy to receive Christ? To let him dwell within us? That's crazy. But that's what we believe. The creator of the universe is right there in that tabernacle. How easy is it to take that for granted? It's almost too simple. It's almost too easy. A piece of bread? The creator of the universe? The author of everything? How is that possible? And it goes back to that free will. He's inviting us to be in relationship with him. If he showed us actually his true presence, we would be trembling. We, we would lose the ability to, to do anything other than worship him. So he's leaving the ball in our court and is saying, I love you. I brought you into my family through baptism. I've made you worthy, not because of anything, but because I'm good. Will you let me love you? Will you let me help you as your husband, as a wife, as a son? as a daughter, because we can't live this crazy life in this messed up world without him. And we can try to lean into money. We can try to lead into the securities and comforts and path of least resistance that we provide ourselves, but everything is gonna fall way short if we don't lean into Christ and say, help me. Do you also want to leave? Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. If you had one time in your life the opportunity to come to Mass, if this was the first time you ever received our Lord, if this was the last time that He dwelt with you, if our Lord was sitting next to you, what would you say to him if he was most intimately residing in your heart, within you? How would you ask him to help you? you? Better figure it out because in a few minutes, that is going to be a reality. Prepare your hearts.